Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is The World in 10 from The Times of London on Friday, the 25th of November. I'm Laura Cook. And I'm Bev Rimmer. Efforts continue to rebuild infrastructure in Kherson. I am grateful to everyone who fights and works for our country. Together we endured nine months of full-scale war and Russia hasn't found a way to break us. And an Indonesian community prays in the street five days after a deadly earthquake. We start in Ukraine, where it's been two weeks since troops entered Kherson for the first time since the start of Russia's occupation in March. Over the past fortnight, the Ukrainians have begun a process of rebuilding the infrastructure that the Russian army damaged as they retreated from the city. The Times of London's Richard Lloyd Parry is in Kherson and describes what conditions are like there. I mean, the two things that are most obvious are that all the infrastructure is out in the city pretty much. So there's no water, there's no electricity, uh, mobile phone reception is patchy and, and there's very little internet. And the other thing is that throughout the day, um, in, in very audible volleys, uh, you can hear artillery fire. Thursday also marked nine months to the day since Moscow launched what it called a special military operation to protect Russian speakers. Ukraine and the West say the invasion is an unprovoked war of aggression. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky says power, water and communication systems are gradually being restored to the country after the most devastating Russian airstrikes on its energy grid so far. In his nightly address, he praised ongoing efforts. I am grateful to everyone who fights and works for our country. Together we endured nine months of full-scale war and Russia hasn't found a way to break us and will not find it. We must continue like this onwards, in unity and helping each other. Glory to Ukraine. Since early October, Russia has launched missiles roughly once a week in a bid to destroy the Ukrainian power grid. Ukraine has said that as much as 50% of the country's electricity needs are currently not being met after the latest wave of strikes. The Ukraine-Nergo power operator said the priority was to fix key infrastructure, but repairs were now taking more time. President Zelensky said 15 of Ukraine's 24 regions were suffering with what he called the most difficult situation with power as well as water supply. Across Chanjur in western Java, residents adjust to life after devastation. A 5.6 magnitude earthquake struck on Monday in the community that's almost 50 miles south of Jakarta. Almost 300 people, including many children, were killed. As Friday prayers began, hundreds took to the streets, praying next to paddy fields and even in a volleyball court. Their usual mosque cracked, smashed and unusable. But residents in the mountainous, densely populated regions say it's not an option to ignore religion. 
Prayer still needs to go on, they say, even though they are living in a shelter. 40 people are still missing, with hope of finding them in the rubble and landslides, an ever-dwindling prospect. Some survivors have been critical of Indonesia's government over its response to the earthquake, which has generated a huge need for aid. This is Siti Fatima, who says we will be given aid when we ask, and even then it is still lacking. There is no rice, no cooking oil, so we are only given biscuits and noodles. Meanwhile, we have not received anything from the government yet so far. And Siti's husband, Dedi Kahaidi, who also survived Monday's ordeal, added this. If it's food and drink, sometimes people give them to us, praise be to God. But stuff for supporting daily life, such as mattresses or carpets for us to sleep on, we don't have it yet. Rescue teams on the ground in Chanjur continue to clear rubble and to search for those missing villagers. You're listening to The World in 10 from the Times of London, analysis and insights into the globe's main stories in just 10 minutes. We head to Australia now, where new laws are to be introduced to increase transparency in ministerial appointments. It comes after an inquiry criticised former Prime Minister Scott Morrison for giving himself secret roles during the coronavirus pandemic. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese gave his reaction. It is very clear that this is a scathing report, which is an indictment on the Morrison government and the culture of secrecy. And the question here is as well, what was the culture that allowed this to thrive? How is it that Scott Morrison had the confidence to be able to appoint himself to uh, six positions and consider even more. Morrison, who lost power in May, accumulated five ministerial roles health, finance, treasury, resources, and home affairs. Three ministers later said they didn't know they were sharing power with him. The PM went on to say the report was scathing and an indictment on the Morrison government and the culture of secrecy. The secrecy of the appointments, to quote the report, undermined public confidence in government and Quote again, once the appointments became known, the secrecy with which they had been surrounded was corrosive of trust in government. The public didn't know, to quote the report, something it was entitled to know. And indeed, the Australian public is entitled to know. We're shining sunlight on a shadow government that preferred to operate in darkness. The inquiry, led by former High Court Judge Virginia Bell, found the appointments had likely hurt public confidence in government and recommended six changes, including legislation requiring public notice of ministerial appointments. Anthony Orbelisi said his government would adopt all six of the recommendations. On the way, all the latest from the World Cup in Qatar and Agatha Christie finally meets Broadway. It's the day that many of us head online to see what bargains we can pick up, but Black Friday has been a real cause for protest in Germany this year. Greenpeace has stuck a banner that reads Amazon Crime on top of the online retailer's headquarters in Munich. The pressure group is calling Black Friday a fire accelerant for the climate crisis and says we need to stop over-consuming goods. Viola Volgemuth is a Greenpeace Germany activist. 
She says there are estimates that on average each person in Germany spends 300 euros today. A majority of packages being shipped today will be returned. This means that what's being encouraged here is not about people getting good value for money products. It's about Amazon making huge amounts of money on this day. Taking us through the latest from the World Cup in Qatar now, here's John Jackson. Cristiano Ronaldo was the star of the show at the FIFA World Cup on Thursday as the Portuguese superstar became the first men's player to score in five World Cups. Portugal's captain went into the match against Ghana already holding the world record for international goals and he took his tally to 118 in the 65th minute after winning and converting a penalty. It's a positive moment after his departure from Manchester United earlier in the week, following his scathing criticism of the English Premier League club in a television interview. Brazil also played their first match of the tournament, a 2-0 win over Serbia, although there are concerns over their star player Neymar, who went off with an ankle injury. Switzerland beat Cameroon 1-0 and the other game of the day ended goalless between Uruguay and South Korea. The second round of group games take place in Qatar from today onwards. It's been 70 years since Agatha Christie's The Mousetrap opened for the first time in London and now the show is finally heading for Broadway. The play is the longest-running production in history and is celebrating at London's St Martin's Theatre with a special midday performance on Friday. Former members of cast and crew will then gather for a reception at the Waldorf Hotel. The show has never been performed in New York before but will make its debut in 2023 dates and venues are yet to be announced. And finally, what price do you put on a signature? Well, if you happened to be Charles Darwin, something you signed could be about to fetch a world record price of a million pounds at auction. The document that defends his theory of evolution and was written in 1865 is going on sale in New York. Experts say it's incredibly rare to have his whole name written out in full and in his own hand. It goes on sale on Friday with Sotheby's in New York. And that's your World in 10 from the Times of London on Friday, the 25th of November. This podcast from The Times is brought to you in partnership with Google Podcasts.